Hey, we're so glad you decided to join us on YouTube. You're about to hear a message from our teaching team. We hope this message helps equip you for freedom and to find purpose in your everyday life. We stream our online services every Sunday. You can visit us at freedomhouse.cc live to connect with us and become part of our online campus. We know that you're gonna enjoy this message you're about to watch. Hello, Freedom House. It's so awesome to be here with you tonight starting this new series, Crop Circles. When I heard that, I was like, what? Crop Circles? But you know, when you think about it, Crop Circles is something that uh, people have been asking questions about a long time, and they really still don't know what's going on. I mean, it's a thing of mystery. And you know, sometimes in our lives, you know, miracles, God moving, God doing things, that can be a mystery in our lives. You don't always understand what God's up to in our lives or why things are happening. And so really what this series is about is about miracles in motion. What is the process of experiencing miracles in our life? My, my name's Olin Carter and, and I'm a part of our teaching team. And if you're new here, um, maybe some of you have never been here before, um, something unique about our church is we have a team of speakers that are at each campus, our, our pastor's heart is not to, you know, just put a video out to every campus we have, but to have a live communicator at each and every campus, which I think is amazing. Yes, yeah, so give it up for our pastors. Um, I love that. Um, they have a heart to give away their vision and their influence and raise up other leaders around them. I think it's so cool. So um, thank you guys too for your giving. We, I was at the Lake Norman Demo Day uh, today and man, we had a blast. I got some blisters to prove it. Uh, we were working pretty hard, you know, I told Dave Greco, man, hey, with your grit and hard work and my stunning good looks, we're going to get a lot, we're going to get a lot done today, but Matt was a wild man, I mean, he was throwing stuff everywhere, I mean, we, you know, I, I was probably the most dangerous person there, true story, yeah, I'm swinging the sledgehammer and Matt's like, there, you, you're going to hurt somebody, like, you need to stop, so, uh, but we had a great time, and thank you guys for what you do. I'm so excited about that campus. I mean, just seeing it come to life, yeah. Uh, it's just going to be amazing, amazing. So, we're going to talk a little bit about miracles tonight. Is that all right? Anybody need a miracle? Yeah, a few people, yeah. Usually you talk about miracles, people get a little excited. So, we'll see tonight, we'll see tonight. Y'all shout back at me enough, I might get to preaching. So, we'll see, we'll see how you do. We'll see how, I'm grading you, you're not grading me. Let me be clear, okay? So we're going to see how y'all do tonight, all right? So have any of you ever tried to crank your car up before and you try to crank it and it doesn't turn over? That stinks, doesn't it? And isn't it amazing how every time you do that, you're always in a hurry? Is that like a coincidence? It's like every time you're in a hurry, that's when your car's not going to start. <laughs> you go out there, you put the key in, and you turn it, and and nothing. And you're like, great, you know, of all days. But what do you do when that happens? You, you, you turn the key, you hear that dreadful sound, and then what do you do? Huh? Start praying. Most of, let me tell you what most of you do. You turn it again, right? It didn't work the first time, so what am I going to do? I'm going to turn it again. And most of us don't turn it again. Most of us do it about 15 times, right? I mean, it didn't work the first 17 times, so I'm going to do one more. I'm going to really, I'm going to pump the gas, right, because that's going to help 
with our modern, right? We do it. Even, even us guys who know mechanically that that has nothing to do with it anymore, we still pump the gas, we turn the key because we think it's going to work. Why do we do that? Why do we, why do we keep trying when it doesn't, it doesn't work? You ever flip the light switch and the light didn't come on? What do you do? Something is wrong with my, I've got one of these gas fireplaces in my house, and it just decides when it's going to work. I don't know, it's got a mind of its own, and it decides when it's going to work. And I'll go over there, and I'll flip it, and it doesn't come on, and my wife's like, you ladies know where I'm going with this. Honey, will you call someone? And I'm like, I don't need to call someone. I am fully qualified to fix this issue. And after about 37 flips, it finally it comes on and I'm like, see, I didn't need to call anybody. Have a little confidence in your husband, woman. Like, come on now, I can fix stuff. Proved it to you, I can fix stuff. What, this is my favorite. What about your computer? I'm a techie and so I love computers, but people who do not love computers are hilarious to me because when their computer doesn't work, I walk over and they're at their desk going, <laughs> like pressing the mouse button harder and faster is going to somehow fix the virus that's infected your computer, right? We all know what we're, we should do because any of you that work at a company that has an IT department, they always tell you the same thing, right? Reboot it. Have you rebooted it? No. But we want to hit that button over and over and over and over again. Why is that? Why do we treat our cars like that? You know, when, when these things don't work, we don't just give up on them, right? Like, I turn my car over once. Get, get, get. Well, man, this thing, here, that car's yours. That thing's broke. We don't do that, do we? Because we have faith that a car works. Because it worked the last 200 days in a row. It's got a track record of being effective. I believe the light's going to come on when I flip that switch. Why? Because it's worked in the past. But are we like that with our faith? You know, we, we live by faith. A lot of times we don't look at it that way. But you know, it takes faith to do everything you do. It takes faith to eat breakfast in the morning. You, you don't take your, your uh, you know, whatever, your mini wheats or whatever, you don't have them chemically tested to make sure there's no toxins in them, do you? You just put them in a bowl and eat. You trust that they're safe. You trust that the eggs you take out, whip them up, you scramble some eggs. You trust that that food is going to work for you, that it's not going to make you sick, that it's not going to kill you. You just trust. You just believe it will. When you drive your car down the road, you just trust those brakes are going to work. I mean, you're going 85, I'm looking at Matt, miles an hour. And you know what? You just believe when I, when I press, I'm in a vehicle that weighs over 1,000 pounds. I'm going 80 miles an hour down the highway saying, Lord, forgive me later. Right? We, we pray for forgiveness afterwards. But we just believe pressing that pedal is going to magically stop that car, right? We live by faith all the time. What about the banking system? Why, how do you know you got paid Friday? Because they told you? When's the last time you went to the bank and you held, you saw all your money? We just trust them. 
We just believe those number, the digits are in there. We just trust them that it works because my boss said I was, I got an email. That has to work, right? We just trust. We live our lives just trusting all these people that have all these incentives to lie to us, to rob to us, to, be, to, to neglect and not put those brakes in that car. How many of you know it's a lot easier to, to, to do your job halfway? But yet we just trust they don't. We just trust it'll work. We just trust the money's there. But with the God that created the universe, well, I prayed and it didn't work. So I'm just going to give that car away. I prayed and it didn't work. So I'm going I'm to call Duke Energy and have my power turned off. Because I flipped that light switch once and the lights didn't come on. We don't do that, do we? We live a life of faith. But how does that play out in the supernatural realm? We understand it. We live by it every day without thinking about it in the natural but are we doing it in the supernatural? Are we doing it in the spiritual side of our lives? And before I get into the passage I want to read you today, I want to just define miracles for everybody because I don't want you to be unclear about what I'm talking about. Now, this might not be the way Pastor Troy defines it when he preaches or Pastor Penny. I'm just talking about what I'm talking about tonight. I want to be real clear. Okay, is that all right? So when I say miracle, when I'm talking about believing God for something in your life, it's real simple. It's God doing something in your life. That's it. It's real easy. People want to debate about, well, is it a natural phenomenon? Is it a, you know, how do you know it was God? Listen, I had less money, now I got more money. I'm good. Sign me up. I was sick, now I'm not, right? If I'm sick, I pray, now I'm not. For Olin, I'm good. That's a miracle, right? Like, I'm happy. I don't need to understand the Greek language and understand how the word miracle was formed. I'll take it. Do I have anybody else with me tonight? Sign me up. I'll take it. So what I'm talking about is praying to God and saying, God, I need you to do something in my life, and God comes through. God does something supernatural in your life. That's how I define a miracle for what I'm going to talk about tonight. And so we're going to talk about the process of receiving a miracle. And since this series is called Crop Circles, I thought I would pick a passage of Scripture that was maybe not one you're used to hearing preached in church. Is that all right? We're going to talk about one that's a little bit different. And I'm going to ask you to do one thing. Stick with me through the message. Because when you hear this, you might be like, what in the world is going on? But I'm going to break it down for you, okay? Is that all right? So this is Matthew chapter 15, and I'm going to read verse 21 through 28. And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And just an interesting little fact, this is the only time recorded in Scripture where Jesus leaves Israel. He's gone into a Gentile area. And Gentile, if you're new to church, in Bible times, a Gentile is just someone who's not a Jew. Anyone who's not Jewish would be considered a Gentile. And so he's left Israel, he's gone into this area, and behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. 
And his disciples came begging him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. And he answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. And just in case you're wondering, yes, he just called that woman a dog. He said, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. He's talking about her being a Gentile. She said, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. Now I want you to stick with me tonight because I'm not going to jump to the confusing part first. I'm going to start and I want to break this down one thing at a time. All right? First of all, the first thing that I think we can learn from this passage is that sometimes we don't get a quick answer. Sometimes we pray, and just like this woman who comes to Jesus and his disciples, and she cries out, Lord, my daughter, I need your help. What did Jesus do? It said he did not answer her a word. He didn't respond. There was total radio silence. Jesus didn't answer back. He totally ignored this woman. Have you ever prayed for something in your life and felt like heaven ignored you? You ever prayed for something before and just felt like you didn't hear any answer back? You ever pray before and feel like, I don't know, man, maybe God's on vacation this week. I'm not, I'm not feeling anything here. I'm not, I'm not hearing anything here. You're not alone. Sometimes we don't see or hear anything. And just like this woman, we have an opportunity to give up. We can assume that God's silence is a no, but notice Jesus didn't say no. He did not deny her request. He simply didn't answer. I believe that he was testing her faith. Most people never see a miracle because they won't wait long enough. I'll say that one again. Most people never see a miracle because they won't wait long enough. I can't tell you how many people in my life have told me I was believing God for X and it never happened. Well, exactly at what point did you stop believing? And how do you know the miracle wasn't scheduled for five minutes after that? Because if you tell me I was believing God for something and it didn't happen, at some point you gave up on it. You decided it wasn't going to happen and I'm done and I'm not believing God for this anymore because he hadn't come through on my timetable. And sometimes he doesn't answer right away. And I started thinking about different well-known people in the Bible. God tells Noah there's going to be a flood. Hey, I want you to build an ark, man. Rain's going to come down. I'm going to flood the earth. Never happened before. Noah begins to build this boat and you know it took over a hundred years for it to come to pass. A hundred years. Would you believe God for a hundred years? 
when everyone was making fun of him, everyone was laughing at him, when he was having to invest every bit of energy and resource he had into building this crazy, ridiculous, stupid boat that no one had ever seen before or needed before because none of this stuff had ever happened before. Most of us have a hard time. I know in my life, I have a hard time sometimes trusting God for stuff I can read and see he's done for people many, many times. Noah had no track record to go on. This was crazy. And for over a hundred years, he stayed faithful to what God had called him to do. What about Abraham? Abraham is promised a son. He's already old when the promise comes through. But it takes 25 years before he sees that promise answered. 25 years. What if Abraham would have stopped believing at year 24? You ever think about that? Joseph has a dream. He's thrown in a, a pit by his brothers. It takes nearly 14 years before he finally gets let out of prison and becomes second in command in Egypt. 14 years. And I talk to people sometimes, man, you've been believing God this is so hard. I've been playing, I mean, praying, I've been believing God, man. I've been seeking after Jesus. It's been like three weeks. <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. Because we live in a culture, we live in a society where we get everything we want, when we want it, or we are angry. If you're an American and you don't get, get what you want when you want it, you are mad. That is not acceptable. I ordered my French fries. It's, I mean, it's been 45 seconds. They're going to be cold. I mean, we live in an instant gratification world. Everything comes right now. Think about King David, man. He was anointed the king of Israel. It takes 15 years for him to take the throne, and he's got Saul throwing spears at his head. He's got to be thinking, God, when it, come on, man. I mean, he's, they're, they're, they're coming. But yet he didn't give up. And the thing I also noticed about all these people is not only did they not quit, they did not wait inactively. When you read these stories, Noah didn't just go, God said it's going to rain, so I'm going to just, you know, I'm going to sit down over here and wait. Come on, God. It's rain. I see some rain, I'll start building the boat. If I see some rain, Lord, I mean, I'm, I'm ready. I got the wood, but I'm going to rest over here. No, he didn't do that, did he? He got to work. He started moving forward. Abraham started, he, he left the country he was in. He started to obey God and, and this plan starts to unfold. Joseph, think about how Joseph stood up for what he believed when everything and everyone was against him. His dream looked impossible. Did he stop? No. And not only did he not quit, he was active in his faith and obedient to God. I'll tell you, when I was thinking about this, just an illustration from my own life, in ministry, I love ministry. I love serving God. I love being up here, and I love preaching God's word. But I've had two significant periods in my life where I wasn't able to do this, where I wasn't in the position to do this, and I wasn't on the platform, and I didn't have the microphone, and I didn't sulk about it. I didn't go home and and just, well, God, if I ain't going to preach, then just, you know. No, I went and served in the parking lot. And I ushered. 
And I did whatever the pastor wanted me to do. At my old church that I was at before here, I served there for 10 years before I ever preached from the pulpit. 10 years. And you know what? I don't regret a day of it. Because I needed that time for God to develop me. Because sometimes the giftings and callings that you have in your life, you have charisma, you have abilities, and it'll take you to places your character can't keep you. And God sometimes has a plan and a timing in your life because he knows he needs to develop you so that you're ready for when the time comes to use that gift that he's given you. Don't give up and don't sit inactive when you're believing God for your miracle. Get up and begin to put one foot in front of the other. Well, I don't know what to do. The Bible tells you what to do. Come to church. Love somebody. Give. Serve. Go to your job and work as unto the Lord. Be a good husband. Be a good wife. Be a good son. The, the, the scripture tells you what to do. But sometimes we want to make an excuse because it's not the thing we want to do right now. But God's not going... You're going to slow down your miracle when you sit on your hands. When you sit on your faith. When you sit inactive, you're not speeding it up. You're slowing it down. Because you're not developing into the person that God wants you to be. The second thing that I learned from this passage is that we need to be persistent. We need to be persistent. We read in verse 23 that after Jesus didn't answer her right away, the Canaanite woman, she didn't leave. He ignored her. She should have been upset. She should have been offended. She should have gotten impatient. She said, well, I tried. I went to Jesus. I asked. I mean, that's all I can do, right? He didn't answer me back, so I'm going to go on home. Did she do that? No. No, you know what she did? Why? Because I know at some point that thing's going to work. I have hope, I have faith that Jesus can heal my daughter. And because of that, I'm not going anywhere. The Bible says that the disciples had to go to Jesus and say, for the love of God, Jesus, give her what she wants and send her away. She's driving us crazy. She's yelling out after us. She's because she won't leave us alone. She's persistent. She won't quit. She won't leave. Why? Because she believes it'll work. When you get desperate enough, you'll do anything. She wanted her daughter to be healed. She was hounding the disciples until they had to go to Jesus. Man, she was driving them crazy. And if you're a parent, you know what that's all about. When my kids want something, they will drive me absolutely up a wall until they get it. I'll feel the pulling. I'll feel the poking. I'll feel the dad. And I'll get the, I'll get the puppy dog eyes. My favorite is when my son wants something that's $25 and he comes up and he, he grabs me and he goes, I've got $4. <laughs> well, great, son. It costs $25. But how many of you know they will keep persisting until either you give it to them or you knock them out? I mean, sometimes I have to just, son, I'm, I brought you in and I'm about to take you out. Like, you're flirting with doom right now. I mean, you're flirting. But, but kids don't care, right? Because they believe in the heart of their father. And they know that if I can just get daddy's attention for a moment, if I can just get daddy's attention for a second, I don't need daddy's full attention. I don't need everything. I just need daddy's attention for a moment. And man, I might just get what I'm after. Kids are 
persistent. Kids are persistent. If you want something bad enough, man, you'll be annoying about it. You'll talk about it all the time. Let me ask you, are you believing God for something right now so much that you're annoying everyone around you? If you're not, you're doing it wrong. Back in the day when my father, when he was drinking and just he was, he was going through a terrible time in his life, let me tell you something. I told everybody I met that believed God about my father. I had churches in Africa praying for my father. I had a young lady in Fort Mill. Every time she would give her tithes and offerings, she would write my, name, or my dad's name on her offering envelope. Every single Sunday she did it for years. Man, I enlisted an army of people to pray for my dad. Why? Because I wanted my dad saved. I wanted my dad to quit drinking. I wanted my dad to be changed. And you know what? I wanted it so bad, I was going to persist until I got it. I wasn't going to quit. I wasn't going to give up. And I didn't care if you liked it or not. I was going to tell you about it and ask you to pray for him too. Because I wanted it. I was persistent. You know what? If you're persistent, you're in good company. Man, the Bible tells a story of Jacob. Jacob's in the Old Testament. This man comes one night. Jacob perceives something about this man. They begin to wrestle. Jacob figures out he's wrestling with God. The Bible says they wrestle until morning. And when God's done with it, God says, hey, I'm done. I'm out. Let me go. Jacob says, no. God touches the joint in his leg and literally puts his leg out of joint. How many of you know that hurt? But the Bible says he grabbed hold of God and he said, I will not let you go until you bless me. And God blessed him. God wants us to be persistent. God wants you to ask over and over and over and over again, just like a child. Because he wants you to trust in the heart of your father. He wants you to believe that he not only is, but that he rewards those who diligently seek him. Jesus told a parable in Luke to illustrate this. This is Luke 18 and verse 1, and this is Jesus speaking. He told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, this is Jesus, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused. But afterwards he said to himself, Though I fear neither God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge, judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, and here's the, here's the thing, will he find faith on the earth? See, Jesus is showing them that not faith is not just believing Faith is persistent. Faith is believing over and over and over. It's going to God over and over and over. Faith is tenacious and faith never gives up. 
He's not saying that God is like this judge that doesn't want to help you. He's making a contrast saying, if this guy is a jerk and he doesn't want to help this lady, but eventually he does because she just wears him down, how much more will your father who actually wants to help you? He wants to help. He loves you. How much more when you go to him and go to him and go to him with persistent faith, how much more will you get what you need? Will God move for you? The biggest problem with our prayers is that I believe they lack the fire that they need. I think too often times we pray wimpy prayers. I think we go to God and we, oh Lord, help me, da da da. And it just bink, bounces off the roof and falls back to the ground. I think too often we go after God and we treat him like this magic genie in a bottle. And we forget that it's a relationship. We forget that God wants us to pursue him. We forget that God's a person and he wants us to have a relationship. And if we're half-hearted about him, how can we expect him? He's not going to reward that kind of faith. He's not going to reward the kind of faith that says, I'll get it if it's easy. He didn't do what was easy for you. He didn't do what was easy for me. He says, you know what? If you want me, if you want a relationship with me, pursue me. Come after me. God wants us to pray and he wants us to pray earnestly. He wants us to pray fervently. He wants us to pray with everything we've got. And some of you in here right now, you're looking at me and you're saying, you know, I pray, come on. I mean, do I got to pray harder? Do I have to sweat when I'm praying? You know, what are you saying, Olin? I mean, I'm not praying hard enough. I don't know, maybe you're not. I think sometimes we try to make everything so easy so we don't offend anybody. You know? You're saying, I don't pray hard enough. I don't know, maybe you don't. Maybe I don't. Sometimes... I remember recently, God was dealing with me about something and I was struggling with something and I'd prayed about it. I'd done the little, you know, oh Lord, help me, you know, like we do. Driving down the road in my car because I'm too busy to really devote my heart and life to him like I should. And God just began to deal with me about it and says, if you really want it, fight for it. And I shut the door of my office and I got down on my knees. I got in the chair and man, I begin to do battle. And sometimes you got to do battle. Your kids are worth it. Your marriage is worth it. Your family is worth it. Your friends that don't know Jesus, they're worth it. Not just, oh God, save him. But falling on your face and saying, God, please. I don't want them to go to hell. Jesus. Do whatever you've got to do, but do it through me, God. Sometimes we have to fight. It's not going to be easy. Sometimes we're going to pray and we're not going to hear an answer. And God says, pursue me. Sometimes we're going to pray and we're going to get angry with God. God, don't you want to heal me? God, I need this. And God says, pursue me. Pursue me. And we have to be willing to fight the fight of faith. We have to be willing to get on our hands and knees to look undignified in front of everybody. 
and to say, you know what? I don't care what you think about me. I don't care what the world judges me. I don't care if scientifically they can explain it or not. I know that I have hope in him and I know he can do it. And I'm going to keep coming to my father until I get what I need. I'm going to be persistent. I'm not going to quit just like my son does. I'm going to pull, I'm going to pull, I'm going to pull on daddy. Why? Because I believe not only that he is, but I believe he rewards. I believe he rewards. And what does the scripture say in Hebrews 11? It says, I believe that he rewards those who diligently seek him. We have to diligently seek him. Not half-hearted, not halfway. The third thing that I believe we can learn from this passage is that God responds to humble faith. God responds to humble faith. Notice that Jesus didn't respond to her need. She came to him with a real need. This is her daughter. This isn't a, she didn't ask him for a new car. She didn't come to Jesus and say, hey, my Lambo needs some new rims. It wasn't selfish. It wasn't small. It wasn't prideful. It wasn't sinful. It was, hey, this is my daughter. She's She's being oppressed by the devil. Jesus, can you help me? But Jesus doesn't respond. Because God doesn't respond to need. He responds to faith. If you want God to move on your behalf, you have to understand that he doesn't respond to your need. He responds to your faith. Humble faith. He challenged her faith. He basically tells her that she's not the priority. The Jews have been waiting for centuries for their Messiah to come. And he says, hey, I'm here and I'm on a mission. I've been sent by Almighty God for the people of Israel and I've got to put them first. I've got to put them first. When he calls her a dog, by the way, when you look that up in the original language, he's not calling her a street dog or something as an insult. It's the name for a pet. It's a beloved family pet. What he tells her is, hey, It's a thing of priority. He says, hey, you wouldn't not feed your kids to feed your pets, would you? You wouldn't do that priority thing, right? You would feed your kids first and then your pets afterwards. I believe Jesus was maybe using her own internal words to challenge her like he does so many times in Scripture. So many times in Scripture, people come to Jesus and he uses their own words back against them to challenge them to believe. The young man came to Jesus. He says, good master, good teacher. And Jesus says, why do you call me good? There's no one good but God. And sometimes Jesus will challenge you at the point of your unbelief. And you know, this woman, she knew she was a Gentile. She knew that Jesus was the Jewish Messiah. She knew that. There was no promise of healing for her or for her daughter. She had to be thinking that, hey, this Jesus guy... He's a Jew. He's their Messiah. He doesn't owe me anything. I'm not in the family. I'm not promised an answer. I'm not promised anything. But she had hope. She had hope. And I believe that hope with her persistence turned into faith. Jesus was trying to turn her hope into faith. He was trying to challenge her so not only she would believe that he could, but that he would He was trying to challenge her so she could lay claim to what she needed. And I believe she understood two things. I believe, number one, she understood that Jesus was the only way. Sometimes we look in life for everything we need everywhere else but God. 
We wonder why God doesn't move in our life and it's because we put him third, fourth, fifth, sixth. We don't go to him first. And sometimes we think we're the answer to our own problems. But this woman with this problem, she knew there was no other hope. She knew there was no other name. She knew there was no other way that her daughter was going to be set free except through Jesus. And that takes humility. It takes humility to lay down your life and say, I can't figure this out. I can't do it. I can't fix it. I need him. I need Jesus to do it. God, I need your help because this is too much for me. And I believe she understood that. The other thing she understood, and this is a hard one, she understood that she didn't deserve anything. So she had to trust in his grace. I read this story the last couple of weeks like a hundred times. I honestly did not want to preach this passage. But for some reason, God wouldn't let me preach anything else. And I kept reading it, and I kept reading it, and I kept getting upset. Going, God, I, to me, you're just being rude to this woman. I don't get it. I don't understand. <laughs> Help me see it because I'm not seeing it. And then God reminded me, he doesn't owe us anything. And sometimes as Christians, this is a trap we fall into. Because I've seen so many new Christians come to faith in Christ and for the first week or the first month or the first year, you see God do amazing things in their life. But then over time, as we mature, God mysteriously stops moving. Because if God's going to heal anybody, he's going to heal me. I mean, I tithe, I give. I'm a leader. How could God not heal me? How could God not bless me? I'm a good person. I do everything right. I come to church every single weekend. And we would never say the words, but somewhere deep inside of us, we start to think that God owes us something. That somehow we've earned his blessing or his favor. It's a trap. Instead of getting offended and storming off, her answer blows Jesus away. She says, in verse 27, she says, yes, Lord, that's true. I'm a dog. I'm a little pet under the table. You should feed the children first. I don't deserve your attention. I don't merit this miracle. But here's the thing. I don't need your full attention. See, her faith had no limits. She said, Jesus, I don't need you to forsake your mission. I don't need you to do anything hardly. Even the crumbs are enough for me. That's faith. Jesus, it says, answered her, Oh, woman, great! Is your faith, be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. You know, there's only two people in the Bible that Jesus said had great faith. Only two. Both of them were Gentiles. I don't think that's a coincidence. I don't think it's a coincidence that both people that Jesus said, Wow! 
The centurion, he said, I've not seen faith like this in all of Israel. See, here's the irony of the story. The dog had more faith than the master. He was sent to the Jews. He was sent to God's people, but they didn't believe because their pride wouldn't let them. And too many times as Christians, we let our pride, we let our own self-importance block us from receiving a miracle from God. Two times he says, wow, you have great faith. Both times they're a Gentile. Why? Because they were humble. They didn't expect anything. They weren't entitled to anything. The centurion said, no, 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 Jesus, you're not, I'm not even worthy for you to come and step foot under my roof. Just, just, just say the word only. And I know my servant will be healed. That's faith. But too many times we want it the way we want it, when we want it, how we want it. Because I'm a leader. Because I'm a Christian. Because I give. Because I, 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 I. And step one to receiving a miracle is take all the I out of it. Go to God understanding he doesn't owe you a thing. But you can believe and you can trust in his heart. It's good. He loves you. Think about how much we love our children. He's a perfect father. He loves you so much more. You know, I think the other reason, and I'll close with this. I think the other reason is because they had childlike faith. As we grow in our faith, sometimes we lose that childlike belief with our daddy. Now, I want you to pay attention to this. God has not called us to have childish faith, but childlike faith. You see, childish faith is entitled. Childish faith wants what I want, when I want it, how I want it. That's childish Childlike is full of wonder. Children ask lots of questions, don't they? Their eyes are wide open. Man, children, they just, man, they're awesome. But I think the biggest thing about kids is they trust the heart of their daddy. And that's what God wants for us. Would you stand on your feet with me tonight? I want to ask two things before we close there might be some of you here tonight that you hear this and you think, man, I, I want to have faith. I, I want to believe God. But maybe, maybe you're thinking, I don't know God. I've never been in church. I don't know Jesus. I don't, I don't understand any of this stuff. I want to read a scripture just for you. This is in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 17. It says, and he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Jesus came to give you access to the Father. 
She had to go to Jesus because back then our sin, the sin of man, it blocks us from God. But that's why Jesus came, to take that sin away, to take that hindrance away so you could go directly to Daddy and say, Daddy, 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 Daddy. He loves that. He wanted you to have access. And that's why Jesus came. And so, first and foremost, I want to give you an opportunity tonight. If everyone would bow their heads for just a moment. If that's you and you say, I want to receive Jesus as my Savior. I want to have access to my Father. I want to have access to God. If that's you, it's as easy as placing your faith in Him. He did it. He died for you. All you have to do is receive it by faith. And if that's you tonight, would you raise your hand right now? Just lift your hand up. We just want to say a simple prayer with you. Amen. See that hand? I mean, let's pray this together. Say, Father God, I want to know you. I want to call you daddy. I want to have a relationship with you. I know Jesus died for me to give me access to you. I believe in Jesus. I believe he died. I believe he rose again. I want him to be the Lord of my life. Come into my heart and change me so that I can have that relationship. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, the second thing before we, before we close tonight, in the lobby, there's a big box. You probably saw it when you came in and it's got three sides of it that are white and there's some Sharpies out there. And as part of our series this summer, we want to encourage you to believe God for big things, to fight in faith, to be persistent for what you're believing for. And so after we're done, we're gonna ask you to go out. And if there's something you believe God for a miracle for, write it down and circle it. That circling is just saying this. It's, it's just a little symbol to say, you know what? I'm going to keep circling it and keep circling it in prayer until I see God move. So I want to encourage every one of you to do that tonight. And I want to pray over you just real quick before we dismiss. Father God, I just thank you right now. And I just, I speak faith. I speak faith into their hearts. And God, I'm not even going to pray for all the, we're going to see miracles this summer. I just know it. I believe it. But God, I just pray, God, that you would give us that boldness to come before you. God, just like children, God, to come before you as our Father and to be persistent and to be humble and to believe. Make us child, give us that childlike faith. That's what we want, God that will believe for big things. We'll have big eyes open in wonder, not limiting you, God, but believing anything is possible with you. God, we thank you for it in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel and join us for online services. If you'd like to learn more about Freedom House or how you can become part of our church, visit our website at freedomhouse.cc.